Thank you for listening to Changing the Rules, a weekly podcast about people who are living their best life and how you can figure out how to do that, too. Join us with your lively host, Ray Lowe, better known as the luckiest guy in the world. Good morning, everybody. This is Ray Lowe, the luckiest guy in the world, and I'm sitting here in wonderful downtown Woodbury, New Jersey at the Wildfire Podcast Studios. And uh, we have a, uh, a whole new flow for the next month. Uh, 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 we've got our co-host, Kevin Davis, who's an Atlanta-based uh, person. I'm going to introduce him in a minute. We have a great guest today. Uh, and uh, th- what the show is all about is it's about highlighting some of the luckiest people in the world. And the luckiest people in the world are those people who take control over their own life and then live their lives under their own terms. And uh, what's proven out is that the luckiest people in the world are also the most interesting people in the world. And I think we'll bear that out today as we talk. So let me introduce Kevin Davis. Uh, Kevin is a longtime friend of mine. Say hello, Kevin. How are you, Ray? It is great to be here with you from sunny Atlanta. Well, except, (laughs) except Atlanta has no gasoline, right? Well, you know, there is that minor detail, uh, <laughs> but other than that, it's all good. <laughs> yeah, so, st- so stay home for the day. So so Kevin is a coach to financial advisors, and he has tremendous industry experience on the product side of the financial uh, industry. And the in- most interesting thing about Kevin is he's probably one of the most creative people I've ever met in my life. And let me tell you a quick story. So uh, a couple of years ago, I was thinking about selling my financial planning practice. And Kevin was a member of my advisory board, and we're sitting around a big table in in the back room. And we're talking about, you know, what the path was going to be after I walked away from the business. And I kind of laid out this grandiose plan, and uh, Kevin piped up, and he said, you know, if you can do that, uh, you've got to be one of the most interesting people in the world. And, and then he did this double take and he said, but we can't use that because that's a beer commercial. So you're going to be the luckiest guy in the world. And it stuck ever, it, it just stuck there, Kevin, ever since. So thank you for yeah. that. Well, you're, you're welcome. And of course, and anyone who had ever been into your office knows that we were sitting there with pictures you had taken from various trips over the years around the world, some of them, I think uh, you might have even told me, National Geographic used one of their brochures and one of the polar bears. And so it wasn't hard to kind of come up with that, looking at this thinking, wow, you know, this guy's been all over the place. It does, I will say this, and I'm sure you've said it over the years, um, it is interesting how the, the people who tend to work the hardest and tend to have a little purpose around their work end up seeming like the luckiest people out there, isn't it, Ray? Well, they work at it. You don't become the luckiest people in the world just by sitting around. And and you're going to see an example of that when we introduce Mike Smith in a minute. Uh, But, uh, Kevin, you know, thanks for being with us. And Kevin's going to be with us for the month of May. And we've got some incredible people coming in 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 a week or two. And uh, there are people that Kevin has introduced me to over the years. I I think one of them, Steve Franklin, uh, claimed to fame as he interviewed 100 people over the age of 100. And we're going to be talking to him about his interest and where he's going. And we've got some 
other equally as interesting people. So make sure you stay tuned, and uh, you're going to get a glimpse of Kevin as we go through this, too. So, Kevin, are you ready to do some interviewing? I, I am. I, I am really excited about today. And, and of course, I'll, I'll let, let you talk a little more about Mike's background. And But I'm going to spoil it a bit. Spoiler alert here. You know, we just went through... Um, one of the most exciting non-competition driven moments in the NFL, in my opinion, with the, with the draft. And, you know, it, it's always a bit of a tease for me because I, I get fired up. I get back into football mode where I, I really am excited about hanging out with friends and family and watching football. And then you got to wait the whole summer, but th- this is a real treat because of who we have. So, I mean, why don't you tell everyone who Mike is and a bit about his background? Sure. So, so Mike Smith, one of the luckiest people in the world, and you're going to see because he is in the process of continuing to revamp his life to live it under his own terms. But but Mike started in the world of accounting at one of the uh, big accounting firms and then went from accounting. Wait, 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 right, right. I, I thought you said I thought you said we're talking interesting people. We're An accountant. <laughs> well, you're, you're, see, he left he left the accounting field. Okay. By the way, I started in the accounting business too, so uh, there's hope for uh, hope for accountants. But but Mike left Deloitte Touche after uh, several years there and went to NBC, and then went from NBC to the NFL. And he spent 16 years at the NFL. And I think Mike said he's been to uh, I don't know, Mike. How many Super Bowls have you been to? Uh, it would be 16. 16 and you had to go to those didn't you that was part of the job yeah no it was a real chore i must say that that was uh one of the things that was a requirement of the job was attending super bowls okay yeah, I'm, I'm sensing the pain in your voice about how hard that was <laughs> well it's, it's funny the the one super bowl i ended up missing was uh, in a uh, super bowl that actually had my favorite team in it believe it or not but we can get to that uh a little bit later okay uh, so, so uh, what we're going to do is let Mike talk a little bit about his journey and uh, how he got from the accounting field to uh, to NBC to the NFL and where he's going forward here because that's actually the most interesting part of his whole career. So, so uh, Mike, tell us a little bit about your journey and where you come from and where you're going. Well, thanks, Ray, and thanks, Kevin, and uh, you know, thanks for having me. And I, I truly am humbled to be on a podcast with with a name such as the luckiest people in the world. Um, it's not something I really would have ever envisioned, but I do love uh, that you're trying to inspire people to be more intentional about how they're living their lives. I just think that's really, really a great purpose and a great uh, a great focus for for your work. Um, and you know, I am incredibly fortunate, but it's funny. I actually don't believe in luck. Uh, it's, it's funny. I, I just think that, you know, sometimes low probability events happen, whether they're, you know, good or bad. Uh, but really what, what I try to do and what I try to tell other people to do is, you know, what are you doing to actually maximize your chance of success that, you know, a positive thing will happen as opposed to a, a negative one. 
um, uh, you know, because in, in life, you know, decisions have consequences. Uh, and sometimes, you know, not making a decision has a consequence. And so, you know, the, the question, you know, I have for, for the audience is, you know, what steps are you taking to actually create your own luck? Because I think you said earlier that, you know, there, there's a fair amount of work that goes into uh, trying to, you know, live a life uh, that you really want to be living. And, you know, that starts with having, you know, that intention. But, uh, you know, my, my journey started, like you said, in public accounting. Um, and how I got there uh, was just because my father was in accounting and my brother was in accounting. So it was ended up just being a family, family choice. Um, but, you know, it was really the start of an amazing journey uh, that, you know, taught me, um, you know, the value of having quite honestly, a really good boss, uh, that when you have a really good boss, it just creates an environment that allows you to learn, allows you to fail, um, allows you to experiment and try new things. But what's great about it also is that, you know, it instilled in me uh, from the onset uh, of having a, a mindset of how to always be learning and how to always be pushing myself out of my comfort zone. So, you know, you know when I was at Deloitte, uh, I started there um, uh, working on the Comcast engagement which was the the largest uh, client they had in the Philadelphia office. And I got the sports bug because one of the things I ended up doing was working on their uh, acquisition of the Flyers and the 76ers and the stadiums in Philadelphia. So, you know, being a, a young sports fan born and raised in Philadelphia and actually looking at the financial statements of, you know, two of my favorite teams and seeing how the sauters was made inside the sports industry was just was just an incredibly thrilling, thrilling moment. Uh, and, you know, in many in many respects, that first job I had at Deloitte because I was working with close friends who I still keep in contact with, had, you know, one of my best bosses ever. Uh, it was probably the best corporate job I ever had, which, you know, maybe is a sad statement that the best corporate job I ever had was when I was 22 years old. But um, it really was a, a great experience. And a little bit of maybe a thread is that I actually followed that boss at Deloitte to NBC. Um, you know, I we had such a great connection. We complemented each other really well. Uh, and first at NBC, I was in Philadelphia, ultimately came the CFO of the local TV station. Uh, and then uh, at the time, NBC was owned by General Electric. And so if you remember the Jack Welch era of General Electric, they put a real focus on talent. They put a real focus on talent development. Uh, and really every two years or so, their high potential potential executives would be moving to their next opportunity. And so they came to me with uh, a choice of, you know, a safe corporate job that I could leave Philadelphia for up in New York, working in 30 Rock, where, you know, I'd be dealing with spreadsheets all day, or an opportunity to start something new out in Los Angeles uh, and create a finance team with their growing NBC Studios in-house production arm. Uh, and, you know, it was, a, it was a great example of me pushing myself out of my comfort zone and wanting to, you know, take a personal risk uh, and try something new. Um, so can, you know, I, can I interrupt for a minute, Mike? Because sure. you said a few things here that I think are really significant. And, you know, one of the, one of the purposes of the show is to showcase some people who, uh, who are some of the luckiest people in the world. And, and you're absolutely right. You create luck. Luck, luck doesn't just happen. But, uh, you know, one of the things that you said is you search out the, the perfect boss and you follow them. And then the second thing is that you push yourself and don't be afraid to jump off the cliff a little bit in order to try new opportunities that challenge your comfort zone. So, uh, you know, as we go, let's highlight more of that because uh, uh, I think I think there are too many people that just get complacent with a job and don't move. 
And that's not how you get lucky, is it? No, and I think it's well to sort of hit hit just a little bit of a pause button and, and linger on that for a moment because, you know, the the phrase pushing yourself out of comfort zone beca- has become a little bit cliche, but I think the 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 uh, thought is, you know, what does that actually mean and translate to in terms of an activity or an action? And sometimes, you know, you do have to jump off that proverbial cliff in order to push yourself. And, you know, I guess a question for people that are listening is, you know, when was the last time you really jumped off of that proverbial cliff in a, in a, from a career standpoint, you know, has it been 10 years? Has it been 15 years? Uh, and if that is the question, then, you know, you probably should be really seriously contemplating, um, you know, some type of move that would actually push yourself and actually make that jump. I think that's hundred percent spot on. Cool. You know, Mike, it's, inter- it's interesting because we, you know, we're obviously a very sports centric society. We have all of these wonderful sports analogies and, and we tend to talk about, pushing ourselves, you know, going to the next level. Uh, We we tend to talk about that a lot relative to athletes uh, as they're trying to perform. We don't hear some of this language necessarily applied to how we make decisions about our own life, though. I mean, that's just very interesting thinking, right? Hey, let's push myself out of a comfort zone in my career. Well, that that sounds a little scary. yeah, what are your thoughts about some of how you develop that mindset? Because I think it's a really important mindset. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I love the notion of sort of everyone thinking about themselves as an athlete. If you want to call yourself a corporate athlete, you know, have at it. But, you know, it does start with, uh, you know, having a mindset that you want to make an improvement in your life. Uh, and so whatever that improvement is, you know, is a personal decision. But, uh, you know, when I, when I think about mindset, there's uh, a handful of things that I focus on. One is having a real awareness around myself and my environment. You know, are you, are you really looking in the mirror around sort of what my strengths and my blind spots are? You know, what is my current situation in whatever my environment is? Then really getting locked in on your personal purpose and your motivation. You know, what is really going to bring you the most satisfaction? Uh, you know, there's a lot of work out there, but oftentimes, you know, your real purpose in life is, is driven uh, is really linked back to some core emotional challenge you even had very early in your life. And really identifying that and creating that linkage is just such a powerful, powerful moment for people. And, you know, I, I remember when I actually made that link around what I want to be doing and linked it back to my core emotional, uh, uh, event that happened, uh, earlier in life, it was just such a, a warmness came over my body. It was so incredibly satisfying and powerful. And it just drives you in a way that uh, is hard to hard to explain. And then the last thing that I think really contributes to mindset is probably not appreciated enough is just your physical, emotional and mental well being, you know, uh, how you feel and how you uh, see the world and uh, what you're leaving yourself open to um, really does impact uh, opportunities that come your way and how you see the playing field, so to speak. So I think all those three things from, you know, your self-awareness to your motivations to, you know, your, your well-being really contribute to the, the mindset you need to then get after something. Uh, and I think, you know, the outcomes will happen if you have, you know, the right mindset driving, you know, the activities you want. Yeah, wow. it's, 
What, what do you think? Two books out of that right there? Yeah, <laughs> at least. Well, I, I think we're going to see that this is where Mike's going because, uh, you know, when, when most people look at your career and you say, you know, well, maybe not the accounting part, but, you know, you get to you get to NBC and you're working with the, the stars, the TV stars, et cetera. And then you go to the NFL and we all know what that's like and the power of the NFL. And then all of a sudden you leave to go off on your own, uh, because I think what you said something along the way is in the end, it's just a job. And it's not the ability to express yourself and be yourself. Yeah. I think, you know, uh, you know, you, you end up spending so much time, uh, in your professional career, um, to, uh, to not be doing something that is bringing you deep personal satisfaction and fulfillment, uh, really is just sort of a waste of, of how you're spending your time. And again, there's a lot of, uh, reasons financially or otherwise why people do the things that they do, but, uh, you know, get locked in on your attention, try to link it, link it back to some real deeper purpose and, and give yourself that self drive to just live a much more fulfilling life. And, you know, for me, when I was out in Los Angeles, uh, you know, learning the TV business and Hollywood, you know, so it was such a great experience. But what was awesome about it is that I also uh, ended up working with another great boss who I ended up following to the NFL. So she was uh, the CFO of the entire West Coast entertainment business, another person that uh, I really connected with. And we were just fundamentally different and complemented each other so, so well that uh, she went and took a job at the NFL. And six months later, uh, she got promoted because she's a superstar and uh, brought me over to work at, at the NFL. So again, a thread of me uh, being fortunate, identifying good bosses, doing good work for them, and then uh, following their their trail that they're blazing for me. Well, uh, give yourself credit because you wound up being senior VP of uh, finance for the NFL. So you had to do some good stuff along the way. Well, I, I try to, you know, it, it, it certainly helps to, you know, surround yourself with really great people and work in cultures and organizations that really value performance and really give you the tools to be successful. And, you know, the NFL, uh, during my time there, uh, over the 16 years went through such a, a its own transformation of really, uh, moving from, uh, you know, a, a sports league to really a, uh, a global, uh, uh, multimedia, uh, uh, entertainment organization. You know, I think when I, when I started, they probably would have looked at their peers much more to be other sports leagues. And then by the time I departed, you know, their peers were ESPN and, and, and Disney and Fox, uh, because that's sort of where their business model has taken them. Um, and it, it really was an amazing experience. So many friends, so many great memories, but it also is, uh, it's kind of, uh, interesting, you know, to work in your passion. Uh, you know, there, when your passion and your job are intertwined, uh, you know, you don't view your passion sort of the same way uh, that you would normally. And that's something that I always share with young people as they're entering the sports business is, you know, uh, be ready for what you're, you're wishing for, because, uh, you know, it comes with some trade-offs that people probably don't appreciate. You know, I, I, I want you to interject a story here. It's a little bit out of sequence in a way, but it's such a great story that you've got to tell it. And tell me about the photograph that you showed me long ago about a football game. I think it was a high school football game back in the 1990s or something like that. Yeah, there's a, a fairly famous photograph that uh, has 
really uh, made the rounds all over the the NFL league office uh, because it's, it's such a powerful picture. But back in 1965 in Mount Hermon, Massachusetts, I believe is the town, there was a, a high school football game that was going on between two local rivals. Uh, and uh, the science building right behind the field caught on fire. And so there's a famous picture that I think actually won the AP Sports Photograph of the Year of 1965 of the game being played, the stands being full, and a raging fire in the background of the science building with fire trucks, you know, dousing it with water. Um, and it just sort of always spoke to me around the power sport has, especially football, but sport generally has in people's lives to, you know, build community and to uh, really bring joy to people. Uh, and, you know, our my joke when I share that picture is that um, it ultimately res- resulted in the most unusual hat trick in history where Mount Hermon lost the game. They lost a 17-game winning streak, and they lost their science building all on the same day, uh, which, you know, I feel bad for Mount Hermon, but it really is such a powerful reminder of, uh, you know, the power of sport. Okay. You you, you hate to lose a winning streak like that. Oh, I mean, the building, too, but yeah. (laughs) Yeah, the winning streak, let's put it in perspective. The winning streak is what was really important there, not the science building, right? You can rebuild a a science building. Yeah. (laughs) So, well, you know what they they decided they they decided the fire didn't pose risk to the game, so they just kept on playing. I mean, who would not make that decision given the same uh, choice? So uh, fair, I, think we all, I think we all appreciate that. Okay, so so as usual, we're we're approaching the end of time here, but I want to get in a couple of other things. So so uh, you recently decided that it was time for you to leave the NFL and go off on your own. So tell us a little bit about what you're doing and tell us a little bit about uh, what it took to make that leap from your standpoint, because it's a gutsy move. Yeah, you know, I uh, I reached the point uh, of my NFL tenure uh, first, uh, you know, six, seven, eight years in the finance role and then the last uh, six, seven years uh, in uh, HR-related roles. Uh, and, you know, after 16-plus seasons, uh, you know, staring at, you know, 50 years old and just thinking about sort of what the the next phase of my career looked like, you know, I realized, you know, I had just done everything I was going to do there. And, you know, it was better for me. And, you know, quite honestly, it was better for the NFL as well to, you know, create some, uh, create some you know, uh, runway for other future leaders in that organization. And it was time for me to just, uh, you know, go live a life that was a lot more uh, flexible in one respect, but much more dedicated towards the specific activities that I really enjoyed doing. You know, I just wanted to retake some control. And then I also wanted a real diversity of uh, leaders and challenges and industries to be working from and 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 growing with. So, uh, you know, I, I jumped off the cliff again and, you know, had really, really great conversations with the leadership team there, including, including the commissioner around uh, where I was and, you know, executed a transition to a, a great new uh, HR leader and, you know, exited stage left uh, in, in 2020. So um, it certainly did not expect to be leaving right before pandemic uh, for sure, but it was, but, you know, it's one of those things that you, you have to always sort of look at what's in front of you and figure out, okay, uh, 
this is a really rough situation. How do I make the best of it? You know, I always preach to people that you have to have this realistic optimism in your life. It's not, you know, all rainbows and unicorns, but it's looking at what's in front of you and figuring out, okay, what's the, what's the upside of the fact pattern that's staring me in the face. And that's what I, what I'm doing now. So right now I've got a handful of different silos. Uh, the first is around executive coaching, which is, you know, one-to-one leader development, which I just love to do. Uh, you know, I love building trust. I love trying to pay it forward to the next generation of leaders and using all of my experience of being in the trenches and a lot of difficult uh, issues and how to make people, you know, the best version of themselves. Um, second is I do human capital consulting. So, you know, I've got this very unique background of being, you know, a finance HR executive, you know, a real left brain and right brain thinker at the same time. And so I end up just looking at human capital and culture issues in just a different way than the traditional consultant. So I I find that satisfying. And then, you know, the third uh, silo is I actually am still learning and investing in myself and pushing myself out of my comfort zone and started a, a doctoral program at Vanderbilt in leadership and learning. So, you know, I think at some point when, when that is done uh, in the next few years uh, you know, I'll, I'll find myself in a classroom setting, you know, uh, in some type of academic uh, uh world. Uh, and that'll be incredibly satisfying. And so, you know, now living this sort of next phase of my life, doing one-to-one coaching, working on human capital initiatives and, you know, uh, academic work where I really help to shape, uh, you know, students uh, leaving, leaving college uh, is just incredibly satisfying for me. Well, you know, so it's, Kevin, it's last question, great. last question. Oh, We're yeah. getting to the end of time here. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, it's, it's interesting. Um, we tend, and I, you know, collectively, we, we tend to look at people, uh, you know, like Mike or, or like you, Ray, who who have these really interesting and diverse set of circumstances, and we say, "Man, what a great life they're living! How lucky they are!" Um, I I would love that in my life, right? And then at the same time, so often we tend to cling to security and stability. And, and kind of a thread that I'm hearing here, and, and I see this over and over again, is you don't get this really interesting set of opportunities in life if all you do is sit behind the desk and never leave home. You, you have to be willing to, to be thoughtful about what matters, to take these you know, calculated risks. You know, Mike, as you said, there's a point where you've got to be willing to just go jump off the cliff. Um, and I, I love that not only do you say that and, and encourage people and coach them to do that, but you've been willing to consistently model that. Um, and, and I think there's a lot to be learned from that, you know, for those of our listeners who are sitting there going, gosh, I, what a life I'd love to live like that. Well, you know, chances are there's an opportunity for whatever their equivalent is by being willing to be thoughtful, purposeful, and say it's, it's time to get off you know, the couch and take a risk, you know, run and jump off the cliff, so to speak. Yep. Yeah, I think I think the only thing I would, I would, I'd add to that is, you know, everyone's an expert in something. So yeah. for people that are sitting at home, you know, contemplating, well, you know, uh, jumping off a cliff uh, sounds a little bit too risky to me. Uh, you know, first, do some self work and think about what am I an expert in? Uh, because everyone listening to this is an expert in something. And once you identify that, then it just becomes a function of your business model and your structuring, which are, which are, you know, quote unquote, easy things to work through if you've got the the real will to, uh, 
to make change. Great, cool. great person. Yeah, and unfortunately, we're at the end of our time, and I want to thank um, uh, Mike Smith, uh, who is CEO and founder of Huddle Advisory. Great, great name, by the way, Mike, given your background. And uh, we'll post that with our podcast notes, so if you want to get in touch with Mike, you'll be able to find him. And, uh, Mike, just thanks for being with us and showing us, uh, you know, how you kind of – journey to being the, one of the luckiest people in the world and and certainly one of the most interesting uh, people in the world and uh, best of luck going forward and i don't think you need the luck i think you're going to make your own luck so thanks for being with us thanks so much guys this was fun okay we will see everybody next week where we'll have uh, another interesting guest and uh, stay tuned to changing the rules Thank you for listening to Changing the Rules, a weekly podcast about people who are living their best life and how you can figure out how to do that, too. Join us with your lively host, Ray Lowe, better known as the luckiest guy in the world. It's going to have to be a different